Hello, and thank you for tuning in. Let us know that you are out there by smashing that like button. Hey, we encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local church and find the community and the support you've been hoping for. Would you stop by at some point at Mayo High School for one of our services at 9.15 or 10.45 a.m. on Sundays? We, Christy and I, personally would love to meet you. Yes, we'd love to meet you. We hope that you will find Echo to be your place, your people, and your purpose. It can all be found in one space. It's what we're all looking for. Yeah, and we want to thank you for your obedience to God's word with the giving of your tithe and more. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says each one of us must give as he has <laughs> decided, decided in, in his, his heart. heart. Not, or her heart. N- yep. Not reluctantly, but because we are because you have to. But remember, God loves a cheerful cheerful giver. Put that smile on your face. If you are looking to give cheerfully, head to our website or Vemo us at We Are The Echo Church or fill out the giving envelope and bring it to the (laughs) the school and drop it in the lobby if you're extra special. Yeah, hey, enjoy online service today. Let every eye be fixed upon King Jesus. Let every tribe and tongue prepare the way Let every heart be filled with expectation The King is coming The King is coming Open the doors up
my beautiful bride, Christy, and we are going to do an activity. But I don't know what that activity is. Are, we tell are you telling me right now? No, I'm gonna blindfold you, and then we're gonna go to said location. <laughs> no, babe. What series are we starting? Contending for us, I can see. Which, what does that mean? I guess we're supposed to be on the same team and not opposing teams. Mm-hmm. And who's gonna win today? Me. <laughs> Ow! Does I that just, make you feel better? My eyes are smashed closed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Hey, this is a relational exercise, Christy. There's a stair right here. Yeah, I know our house, but is it icy? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Step down. This is so stupid. Seriously, you better be taking me to the airport. Just get in. Oh my. <laughs> Christy, give us an update on how you feel. My eyelashes are smashed. I don't like sitting in the back and I don't like knowing, not knowing what we're doing. Yeah, if you were to guess what we're doing right now. Um, weightlifting, kickboxing, basketball. Oh, dude. If you're taking me to do Taekwondo with Doug, I'm ticked. I don't want to do Taekwondo. It smells. It's not my thing. Did it when I was a kid. I don't like it. Any relational illustrations that we could connect here a little bit with being blindfolded in the back seat? I struggle with trust and being flexible in what we're doing. I want to be in control. And so do you. So that's fun. I personally think, I mean, think about it. Like when we got married, what, almost 17 years ago? Over. We didn't know what we were getting into. Sure didn't. <laughs> Here's my theory. In a relationship, when, when you get married, if you date someone for a long time, then you kind of get some of that fighting and we fought a lot when we dated. Yeah, you get some of that fighting out at the beginning. And so like you can do it in marriage or out of marriage, it's kind of up to you. We learned a lot in the dating years and really could look at each other and say, we're, we're signing up for this, we're doing it. Andy, how do you contend for me? How do I contend? Uh, doing things like this, you know, I, I like to bring excitement that would just bring out each other's love and commitment to one another. We're going to stupid Taekwondo. Here we are, Christy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Here we are. 18, almost 18 years of marriage and you're pushing against me the whole time. Why? <laughs> Just start walking. I don't know where we're walking and let's blindfold you on the way out and see how you do. Oh, here we are. Smells great. Smells great. <laughs> no, do not take it off. I can. You have to put this in your mouth. No, <laughs> I'm not wearing a mouth. Thing. You're foolish. <laughs> Where's Doug? No. Hi, Doug. He's here. He's smiling, <laughs> being quiet. I'm taking this off, babe. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I guessed on the way here where we were going. How's everybody doing today? Anybody enjoy that little joy ride? <laughs> Christy and I got a little uh, relational um, behind the scenes uh, reality. So, babe, death do us part. You know, we're committed. And uh, now, anyway, let's let's hear for Christy. She's such a great trooper. I've recognized that I am the antagonist in the relationship, and she's the hero. Come on, somebody. Um, and uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, we're entering a new series we're calling Contending for Us, and, and, and I, I just feel like the Lord wants to do something new in our relationships, and, and just hang tight. I'll give you a little bit of the relational con context here in a moment, uh, but one thing that Christy and I learned by going to do Taekwondo 
which by the way, you will see for the next four weeks, you'll see some additional content. Uh, and uh, I was just telling someone in the lobby just last hour um, that I realize I'm no longer 25 years old <laughs> when I was there. So anyway, you should be excited about what might come next weekend. But um, what I realized, uh, or what Christy and I realized both with uh, going to Taekwondo was this, it's hard to do something new. Do you all get what I'm saying there? It's hard to do something new. And so often in our relationships, uh, we just get stuck in the rut. We just kind of do the same old, same old. And just in the top of this series and at the beginning of this message, I want to encourage you in your relationships to do something new. Because you'd be surprised the, the, the glaring weaknesses and the strengths that, that come bubbling to the surface when you've got to trust one another again. And, 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 and again, like, man, we had a lot of uh, fun on those uh, adventures, and I can't wait for you to see that. Um, I want to inspire us in this series uh, that we should uh, inspire you to fight for your relationships again. That healthy relationships are worth fighting for. And as Nehemiah 4.14 says this and reminds us, fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your homes. And I just understand that there are some people in here, you're, already, you're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to throw the white flag. You're, you're ready to give up and, and move on. And, and I, I just want to beg you to fight for that relationship. I sense in my heart, this is not the time to, to give up. Uh, but this is, this is truly the opportunity to lean in, an opportunity to lean in and, and, and maybe try something new. Because if we keep on doing things over and over and over, expecting different outcomes, we're just fooling ourselves. But what if in this next month, you, we would start trying a few new things when it comes to our relationships? So uh, let me tell you this is, uh, one of my pet peeves growing up in church was they come to these relational series from time to time. And because I wasn't married, I felt like I was excluded. And, and, I, I, and so I'm very conscious of that. And, and I want to be very um, aware of that. And so I just want to tell you that all the content that Christy and I, although it comes out of the context of marriage, I believe a lot of things that we are going to say are completely applicable to, to you, no matter your relational situation. If it's a relationship within your workspace, a relationship at your school, a relative, a distant relative, like I said, your sons, your daughters, your, if it's your wives or whatever, no matter what, uh, I believe this is something that you could apply to your life. So let me tell you, no matter if you are young or you're old, you're single or you're married or you're dating or you're widowed, I believe some of these concepts truly could change your life. And, and I want to say this is my, my observation, theologically speaking, when it comes to maybe our um, expression of religion or expression of our relationship with Christ. I know some of you are, are considerate on, on some of that language there, but um, uh, contextually, uh, when it comes to God's word, God is less concerned about, about us stewarding our religion. He's way more concerned for us to steward our relationships. That's how he began the earth. And the world as we know it, he didn't, he didn't make Adam and then the church. No, he gave him a wife. Come on, somebody. And so often what we do in our religious service or quote unquote relationship with Christ or quote unquote our religious service, what we do is we, we disconnect our relationships so much so that our spirituality and, and, and what God teaches us never really gets to the application level to our relationships. And what I want to remind us during this series is it's, it's kind of up to you. And it is up to us to dial in and say, Lord, would you continue to work on me as you continue to work on we? Now, if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis 
chapter 29. I'm excited about this series because we're going to focus on a man named Jacob in the Old Testament. And, and, and there's a lot to learn about him. In fact, there's a lot of things that have been taught about him and a lot of things that have been written about him and tons of stories. And I'm not going to tell you most of those today, but I'm going to tell you this. is Jacob arguably is the most, uh, the, the most, I, I want to say it right here, um, he is the most relationally challenged individuals in, 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 individual in the Bible. I really believe it. Jacob is the most relationally challenged individual when it comes uh, to people in the Bible. And we're going to find that out very soon. And, and, and as we jump into Genesis 29, 13, let me give you a little bit of the context. Jacob has just escaped his family, literally. Like his brother wants to kill him. He, he wants him dead. He, he wants him out of his life, not just 400 miles away. He wants him completely gone. And so before his brother could do that, he escaped his father and mother's home uh, because he had just deceived his father and received the blessing that the older son Esau deserved. And so today uh, he walks into this scenario where he really meets his future in-laws. And so let's really want to lean into that little story. So Genesis 29 says this, as soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob and his arrival, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And there Jacob told him all of these, all these things. Now, let me just help you understand what these, all these things could be. In my opinion, all these things are Jacob's story up to this point. And if you know anything about Jacob's story, again, he was, he was born as a twin. And, and right from that moment, there was a competition and there was favoritism within the family. Uh, and, and so there was always this unhealthy balance of relationship with the mother to the sons and the sons to the mother and father to the sons and vice versa. And, and, and when it, what I, I find absolutely fascinating is when Laban heard all of these stories of deception and, and, and favor, Laban leans in and he says to Jacob, you are my own flesh and blood. Laban understood who Jacob was and how Jacob grew up. He, he in essence said, hey, this is my person. And, and, and I also, knowing Laban's story, Laban was a man who operated in deception. And, and how many of you know that if there is a deceiver or there are two deceivers within a relationship, that means there are two people that are always going to be deceived and that relationship will ultimately fail. That, that if there are two people that are deceiving one another, then guess what? Ultimately, both sides lose. So after that, like, hey, man, you are, you're my people. Like, you're my brother, like, from a different mother. You know, like, the, like the, the, it, was, it was one of those moments uh, that they had and, and really this deep, I think, relational connection at the beginning. But listen, watch this, what happens. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, something changed. And Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. And so Jacob leans in and says, well, actually, I do have an alternative motive here. He goes, Jacob, and he, 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 he pretty much lets the cat out of the bag. He says, well, actually, I'm in love with your daughter, Rachel, and I will work for you for seven years in return for your youngest daughter, Rachel. And which Laban replies, Again, having his intentions in mind, he says this, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. And when I make some of the, I, I've made a few observations here. It, it, it's funny how Laban and Jacob, although it was a, a relative type of relationship, a family type of relationship for a moment, it quickly turned into a business transaction, an employee relationship, and the dynamic that is maybe different than most of our scenarios, but maybe similar to some, is he not only became 
related, they became related to one another through marriage, they had to work with one another. And how many of you have ever worked with your family before (laughs) in a professional way? I mean, it is not necessarily easy. So there is just a different dynamic and different pressures. But in verse 19, what I want to tell you is this, is Laban's response doesn't sound exactly convincing that he's excited to have Jacob as his son-in-law. And, uh, and, and I find that semi-humorous. And, and he's just not quite sure about Jacob. And I'm telling you this, is if you ever go and ask someone for their hand in marriage and your future father-in-law or mother-in-law looks at you and they're not exactly convinced, that, that is not the answer that you're looking for. And how many of you know that that could be a, a, a sure-tail sign that, that uh, your relationship might have some dynamics in the future? Um, <clears throat> But here's my main thought. When I see Jacob and Laban's interaction, it's funny how quick the excitement and ecstasy of a new relationship can turn into a business transaction. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like we've all started relationship. We've got excited about a fr- maybe a brand new friend or a brand new work relationship, meaning like, like a, a someone to do work with. Uh, and, 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 and some of us, we found that significant other and we've gotten really, really excited. But it's so funny how quickly some of those feelings can go away. And then all of a sudden, it's just about business. And Laban, man, he, he was excited to meet Jacob, but it only took him a month later to figure out, well, I'm not too excited anymore. Let's get him to work for me. And, uh, and interesting enough, what we find out in Jacob and Laban's story in, in, in the future is this, is they truly are two very competitive individuals who keep totally different scoreboards. And, and, and they're really, it really feels like they're on opposing Teams and, and, and it feels like if one person was gaining, there was another person losing. And they were both interested in winning. And we can see this in an example in Genesis 29 later on. And, and, and Jacob has worked seven years for Rachel. And, and they, they do the whole wedding week kind of celebration. And finally, uh, Jacob gets the opportunity to consummate that marriage. And when he wakes up in the morning, he realizes it's not Rachel, but it's her older sister, Leah, that hit her father put in the tent with Jacob. I mean, really, uh, Laban leveraged uh, that blinded love, that blinded opportunity, and, and really probably darkness and, and reality, and slipped his daughter in so then she would be married off first as traditions would require. But if you could just imagine, I mean, Laban had his reasons and, 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 and he had his justification and why he did what he did within the relationship between him and Jacob. But it, just imagine being Jacob. You've worked seven years for something, and when you wake up that morning, it's something completely different. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that intention, uh, the, the, really the anger and, and, um, and the disappointment in that scenario. And so as you, some of you know this, Jacob goes to his now father-in-law Laban and says, what did you do to me? You have tricked me. And he said, but I still want to marry Rachel. What, what must I do to marry her? And, and they come up with another business transaction. And in essence, Laban agrees to put Rachel on credit so then he could marry her in 10 days, but then work for him for the next seven I mean, it's a crazy, crazy, dysfunctional story of of two people trying to win their own ways. From one person being on the home team and feeling like someone was on the visiting side. And, 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 and again, like this is just an example of their dysfunctional relationship. And what we find out years later after he'd worked off Rachel, then he wanted to start working for Laban for other things. And they came up with another business uh, uh, agreement. And this time, instead of Laban taking advantage of, of Jacob, Jacob takes advantage of Laban because now at this point, he's a really good shepherd and he understands this 
system and, and he understand, he has these superstitions and yet he still has a blessing from God over him and so his deck is stacked and he becomes richer and at the same time he starts neglecting what Laban wants him to take care of. And so what I'm trying to tell you is this, is with Jacob and Laban and the story that I'm paraphrasing right now is this, is it's clear that there is two people in a relationship that both want to win for themselves, and they have their own way of counting score. And what I want to do is just be a little honest today and just admit that we're all counting for ourselves. We all have our own internal scoreboard. Can we just admit that today? Can we raise our hand and just admit that we have our own internal scoreboard within our relationships? It is so easy to see what we're doing and to see what our significant other is not doing. It is so easy to have that internal uh, scoreboard. And, and what I wanna tell you is this, is if we're gonna contend for us, if we're going to be on a team that is a contending team, if we're going to be that Super Bowl type of team, then we have to understand this one big idea that all healthy relationships have a mutual scoreboard. All healthy relationships have a mutual scoreboard. I have written that up in a very specific way because I think some of you are like, Andy, you feel like, I feel like you're contradicting yourself. I know scriptures that tell you not to do that. And I'm trying, and just bear with me. We're gonna show you here just in a moment. No, I actually believe that it would be healthy for all of us to have that mutual scoreboard within that significant relationship or that workspace relationship or that school relationship that might help us become contenders in that specific area. Yeah, so we all have a score box. Every healthy relationship has clear and defined ways to add to your team's score. And I think even just the humility for me to show you that horrific video earlier is Yes, it is uncomfortable to try something new, but why are we showing you that video? Why are we trying something new? Is I think our heart for you over the next four to five weeks is that you try something new and how you keep score, how you keep score in your relationships. My natural human tendency is it's my score and it's Andy's score from talking about our marriage. One of us is home and one of us is away. And I just envision this scoreboard around my neck and I'm like, point for me, you know, negative point for you. <laughs> And I just think that that's how our natural human tendency is. But God's calling us to live in a way where we're flipping that and we're going to start keeping track of the positive points. Because y'all have gone to a game. They're never going back and doing negative points. But why are we living a life where we're doing that? When I started dating Andy, I entered the relationship where I had all these positive points for him on who he was and what he was saying. Prince and, oh, Charming. Prince Charming. Oh, he can sing. He can play guitar. Remember? <laughs> and he wanted that. And he said negative He's points okay for looking. me because I don't sing she and I don't play guitar. Somehow. You know, and it was just like back and forth. And then there was a point in our relationship, really, I feel like year one. We dated three and a half years. We've been together for 21 years. That was positive, positive point. But I remember at year one, we started keeping score negatively. There was this like tension in our relationship. And the example that we want to share is I lived in Duluth. He lived in Minneapolis. So what would Andy do? Drive to me. Prince Charming drive to me. I did not have a car. I was hot mess express. Well, he did, willingly. Did you say what kind of car I had? Well, he started Because that is out, a very important detail. So terrible. He started... You chose to date me when I was driving this car. So everybody, there's hope for you. I don't even know what it's called. The Geo... Geo Metro, baby. It was a roller skate. Who remembers it? Yeah, dude, it was awesome. Good on gas. It was this maroon... When we thought gas was expensive. Maroon Geo Metro. And, and honestly, in college, I think I packed 12 people in that car. I could barely go I-35 Illegal. West to go get some McDonald's, but we did it. Classy. It was amazing. But then he graduated to a Civic. It was nice, a 94, I remember. $5,000 cash. We went and drove. But one of the points, okay, one of the points we, we kind of lost. Sorry, lost sorry. Thing, but what we did is he started, he had all these points that he was like, I've been driving to you for a year. Now I got a car given to me, hallelujah. And I moved to the cities. He moves to Rochester and he's like, you're up. Your mm -hmm. turn to drive. 
That okay, caused some fights. On. That caused some fights. Because we were coming at it like, I'm better than you, you're better than me, I've done more than you, and there are so many situations, and this is not just marriage talk, but what we want to do to you, do for you in the next series, in this next month, is hit reset. Yeah. And if you feel like maybe you forfeited a game, maybe you have failed relationships, maybe this is, this is like hitting between your eyes and you're like, oh man, we do not want you walking out feeling like you're a failure. We do not want to create wedges in your relationships. We want to equip you. We want to show you how God calls us to keep score. And that's the positive points. That's one scoreboard that we're both applying and we're both using those points for each other, for our kids. We're on the same team. Amen? All right, so let's look at the word. So we want to read out of 1 Corinthians 13. I call this the wedding verse. But there's a reason for it. It's because this stuff is hard, okay? These aren't just cute little words to put on your sign in your dining room or in your bedroom or just go, oh, that makes me feel good. This is for God to equip us on what it looks like to have positive points, okay? So I'm going to read it. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm reading verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud, underline. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, underline. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. Can you say that? Love never fails. Come on. So we're going to start with what we're not to do, okay? This is what I, if I'm looking at this, and this, while we go over this list is, I think it's twofold. I think you're looking at it in the mirror aspect. How do I do this in my life? And then it's also, how do I project this onto others? So the natural human scoreboard that we do is keeping track of the negative points, which is love does not envy. So what do I envy? I naturally envy people's time. I'm like, oh, they have more time than me. I've had seasons where I envy people's flexibility. I can envy, for sure, Andy's job. Before, back in the day, I was like, oh, you're, you're getting paid to go hang out with someone and have lunch <laughs> as I am slaving away. These were conversations in our home. Judge me. Love does not boast. What is boasting? <gasps> boasting, to me, is overcompensating. What are you trying to overcompensate for? What are you trying to hide or cover up? Why are you bragging? Or why are you putting that on someone else? Love does not strut, does not show off. It is not proud. Now, Andy, I have given you negative scores. Oh. I was thinking about this. My pet peeve is when Andy says, I could do that. And he has never done it. Insert, I could run a marathon today. He says this on the regular. I'm like, show me. So I do negative point as I'm like walking. He's like, I could beat you. I just don't because I don't want it to cause a fight. So I just don't. So boast, proud. There it is. There's my example. Taking Threw a that point in. off the board. Love does not dishonor. This one is my hardest one. I dishonor. You just my, dishonored me I, right there. I was actually using negative an example. Negative point for you. <laughs> Take it off. Love is not rude. We're at 18 points now. Love is not brash. <laughs> 17 points. <laughs> So dishonor- you dishonored me again. 16, babe. Move. Okay, your turn. <laughs> this is not how, how we want people to walk how. home and start yelling oh. the points loud. Okay, thank you. Y'all get the point, though, you know what I'm saying? You know, if you didn't get it right there, I mean, shoot, no hope for you. Because but- that was fully for an illustration. Yeah. Love is not self-seeking. Guys, I am selfish. Like, I want my time. I want my way. And when I think of selfishness, I think the thing that I get so hung up on is I want it my way. Like, my way is better. I, I am better than you. So you need to come over here and listen and show up. But if, when you're having those arguments, if you ever have a disagreement because you're not on the same page or because you are, there's some selfish nature to it, is it's not my way, it's finding the way. It's saying, I don't want this my way, but I want to find a way where we can have a solution, where we can come together. That is something to write down, y'all. Yeah. We want to find a way. That's good. Why do we get stuck in fights? It's because we're fighting to hurt. We're fighting to prove that I'm right. 
but God calls us to fight to heal, yep. to actually get past it. Arguments can be good, guys, healthy conversations. And even showing that in a healthy manner. You know, just this past week, our middle daughter, freaking out because we're, she thinks we're disagreeing because there's, as you can see, a lot of times there's no filter. And we had to pause and stop. And he's like, Zakiah, mom and dad love each other. Mom and dad are committed to each other. We're, we will have disagreements. We are trying to sort through it. Now, there's a healthy way to do that. But she needed reassurance in that moment that this is actually us fighting to heal. This is fighting for each other. And this is fighting for what's right. Yeah. Sorry, spending a lot of time on that. Um, love is not easily angered. And I say this over and over, is God calls us to respond, not react. And that, for me, is the hardest one. I am a reactor. I'm an overreactor. I can be short-fused. So it's breaking it down and saying, how am I being short-fused in this? And for sure, if he reacts to me, then it's like, you know, then it's like, okay, now we're going there. So it's understanding that. Um, love does not delight in evil. What are the sins in your life? What are you justifying your behaviors? I think, too, we can look at it as, well, they're sinning here, so I'm going to go do this. We start justifying because they're not showing up, they're not committed, maybe they're not holding to their word or their promise, so then we start changing our behavior, we start modifying how we respond to that. But God does not want us to keep score in that manner. What does love do? This is the, the scoreboard that God's calling us to, the one scoreboard for us to have a contender scoreboard. I'm going to interrupt you. Go ahead. You skipped one. What did I skip? Love does not keep record of wrong. Now, some of you are like, well, you're talking to Andy. To, uh, like, you should have, you know, defined ways to, to put points on, on the scoreboard. And, and, and I agree, obviously, I agree with that. Because I want to tell you, so many of us, we twist that scripture to, to make us lead or lead us to believe that, that there is no, there's nothing that we should be counting within the relationship. But what, what we were trying to do is tell you this, is scripturally it says keep no record of wrong, but it never says keep no record of right. And that's what we want you to hear today is this, is there is a way to keep record of wrong. There's, so, there's an easy way to try to take points off the board, but we are called to be people that live in this concept of love does. What are we going to do and how are we adding points to the home team? How are we going to add to this relationship and how are we going to really celebrate the points that have been scored one to another? And I think too, if I've learned anything is sometimes we have to be taught something, right? It's not, it doesn't come natural to us. So sometimes it's hitting pause or a timeout or saying like letting your opponent or your teammate catch up, you know? And I think a lot of times when I look at my kids, I just want them to naturally get it. I like read this next list about, I want them to be patient and kind, but they don't just, it's not natural. So we have to teach it. We have to pause. We have to, I want to set people up for success. I think a lot of times I think of the workplace. Well, they're not doing, they're not pulling their weight or it, it's on me and we start keeping track negatively. They're not supporting me they're enough. They're not supporting me enough. Well, I, you know, I think, well, I can, I can succeed in this area because I have control and you're failing, but that's on you. But God calls us to live in a lifestyle of the we, not the I. So that's in your home. Who do you live with? That's in your family. That's in your friend circle. That's in your workplace. It applies to all relationships is that we are to fight with relationship in mind. Yep. And we are fight to get the team win. And it's the how, the, the not me first, you first. How can I serve you? How can I help you? So love does. So keeping score in a positive way is love is patient. Okay, patience. Can you give me an example how I'm patient, how I scored a point the other day? Are you, do you have an idea? Because I have, wow. Um, Andy, what I appreciate is when he is waiting, this is something, is when he has patience and waiting for me when I'm running late. Um, old school Andy, honk the horn at me. <laughs> Any guilty people in here? That doesn't help the situation. What I want to hear is how can I help you get out the door? What do you need right now? Okay, put shoes on, kid. You know, or something. So when we had little littles. So no. we're talking about this is the contender scoreboard. If we're going to add points within our relationship, if we're going to to uh, recognize positive things, these are a, this is a really great list uh, of things to celebrate and to recognize that our significant other is doing. And let let's put points on the board for one another with these these attributes. Yeah. 
So quickly, why don't you go through Yeah, this? so love is kind. We are called to be servants. And that doesn't mean be a doormat, but that means to serve one another with joy, with kindness. If you've thrown in the towel in relationships, it's time to pick up the towel again, to serve one another. Love rejoices in truth. So for me, I need to focus on what God calls me to. I need to lay it down. I need to say, God, I surrender. I'm going to read these things. When I read 1 Corinthians, I put my name in front of it. Christy is patient. Christy is kind. Doesn't feel like I'm those things, but I'm claiming it. God, I need you to show me and guide me. Love protects. We need to protect each other. I need to protect him. I need to protect my kids. I need to hold close those things. I need to be selfless in that. Love trusts. It's honesty. What characteristic is God calling you to in this season? What faith do you need right now? Love hopes. Hope to me is always looking for the best. That we're holding on to hope. That we see hope in, each, in people. We call it out. We use our words to lift each other up. Positive points. Love perseveres. Perseverance is not quitting. It's time to get back in and play. It's time, maybe it's me saying, hey, basketball analogy, big, big baller here. Big baller. <laughs> here's the basketball, here's some free throws. It's me giving him an opportunity, just like it's, it's owning like this, I was wrong, here you go. But it's just allowing to not quit, to be driven, to not look back. Love never fails. And I think a lot of times we come in here and we're like, well, love does fail, Christy. Love has failed me. I've let people in and this is what's happened. I didn't have parents that modeled it. I didn't grow up in a family that showed, showcased love never fails. But God is saying right now that today is reset day. Today is new season. Today is you learning and equipping and saying, what if in this next season, you said, God, here's our scoreboard. I want to be on a new team. I want to be a team player. I don't want to do this alone. Because God's calling us to fight with relationship in mind. We do not drift towards each other, our natural human tendency. 21 years, we drift away. So we have to constantly come back in. And I have to give permission for him to have that. Who are you allowing to influence you? Who are you allowing to have space to speak into your life? We all need a coach. And the coach is the Holy Spirit. The coach is people that are for you, not against you. And so it's laying it down and saying, this is where I need help. Giving people permission to speak into that. Giving the Holy Spirit to call it out. And then saying, I am wrong. Coming into the relationship or coming into a hard conversation, saying, I want to fight to heal. I don't want to fight to hurt. Yeah, I just sense here today someone needed to hear the love always hopes. Love perseveres. And that love does not fail. And some of our scoreboards, man, they're depleted. Some of our relational scoreboards are in essence non-existent and, and they're in the negative. And, and I guess what Christy and I are just trying to do is is really just remind you, we, we actually think you know all this already, but just simply remind you to add points to the home team this week. And then we don't buy into this lie that we're supposed to take negative points off when our significant other or our work-based our work relationship or our, our, our fellow students are taking negative points off the board. But we are called to pick up that towel once again. That this isn't a moment to give up, but this is the moment to lean in and allow God to do something significant in our relationships. And, and I truly believe this is the season where we add to the home team score. Yeah. And we do that with the help of our Father. Can I hear an amen out there? We recognize this is easier said than done. And that we can't do this alone. And that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus came to live the life that we live, to feel what we feel, to be in friendships and relationships that, that, that downright betrayed him and left him literally to hang. 
but he still chose to pick up the towel and to become that suffering servant so that we might be able to do the same. And so today, I want that thought in our mind as we stand up and we pray that prayer that we pray every week as a reminder for God to do something in us through simple surrender. I'm gonna pray and then Christy will conclude with us just in a prayer for our relationships and what God wants to do. But Echo Church, will you pray this with me, with us? Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. So heart for you this week is that you walk out here encouraged. And I think if you can look at the relationships in your life and just say, God, how can I serve and how can I show up on a daily basis? There's a quote I want to read. It says, true service rests contended in hiddenness. It does not fear the lights and blare of attention, but it does not seek them either. God is calling us to live a life with true service, to be true servants where we're not seeking ourselves, but we're serving others. And so how this week can you serve without the tally marks or without Andy coming through the door and me going, do you want to see everything I just did? I did the dishes. I did this. Anyone ever do that? Here's this. Oh, I did that. I filled up your car with gas. But just serving to serve and serving with joy. God, we just come to you right now. And I just pray for this moment to be a moment of evaluation and reflection. I pray for people to be encouraged, not defeated, God. I pray that we can maybe name our hurts, name where we're short, name where we need help, God. And I just pray for that scoreboard, for the reset, the visual today, God, that we can see that in our minds as we leave these doors today, how we show up for others, God. I pray for the tally marks where we're looking at it like your opposing team, God, but I pray that we can come together on the same team. God, I pray that you would change people's lives individually where we can collectively change the world, God, that we are called to be together, God, that it's not an I, it's a we. And I just pray for people to feel equipped, sense your peace. Holy Spirit, you are our coach. You are a God who provides. You are a guide who, who, God who is the voice of reason when it's chaos. You are the voice of reason when we are weak. And I just pray that you will speak life into people today, God. I pray for people who are standing next to their partners, that they can even hold their hands or friends or family, God, that we can come together unified. God, I pray for walls to come down. I pray for the wedges that the enemy wants to put in place, God. And I just pray right now that you will change relationships today, God. We change the way we parent. We change the way we show up at work, God. That we live a life of you first, not I first, God. And just we lay it down to you today. In your name, amen.
Come on, let's celebrate a little bit. For the record, the harmonies right there by the ladies were exceptional because I was standing right next to the speaker and it sounded really good. Just wanted to encourage you in that. Um, you know what's funny is I've been thinking about this all morning and I've been really been thinking about it for the last like three or four weeks, which is if we're totally honest, all of our relationships are just dysfunctional. Now, it might be varying degree. Well, let, let me not lump you guys in there. Okay, let me just say all my relationships are dysfunctional. And like to varying degrees, maybe you're with me. I don't know. Maybe I just offended you. If so, I'm really sorry. But it's funny when you think about it, but I want to encourage you in something, which is this. Every relationship you look up to or think has it all together, they're dysfunctional too. We're all kind of in this spot. And I love this idea of it's not about my way, it's about finding a good way for us to do it together. And then the other idea was this. I need a redo and so does everybody else. And so why wouldn't we use this as the opportunity, man, just to to shrug off the old and embrace the new. And so I just, I, let's, I mean, we all have crazy families. Maybe it's your in-laws that are crazy. You have all these different things around you. But the cool thing is, and I'm just going to, spoiler alert in this series, okay? Jacob is a mess and he's still the father. Like He's like the person who becomes Israel. He's like the, the guy. Like God uses dysfunction. So in the moment where you're like, man, my family is nuts or I'm nuts or whatever it is, like you're feeling those things, God's ready and able and totally capable of using that today. So don't leave here discouraged, leave here encouraged, because guess what? If God can use these crazy people in the Bible, he can use my crazy self too. You feel that? You guys good with that? Sorry if I offended you earlier. I'm just going to throw that out there one more time. Uh, We have a couple things we love to do here at church. We love to celebrate a few things. So I want to celebrate a few groups of people. Let's celebrate those that came for the first time today to Echo. What's up? We also want to encourage you that said the prayer with us for the first time today. Let's celebrate that group of people. 